Hey there, friends. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to invite you to our next Collaboration Zone Zoom party. This is a free Zoom chat get together with all of my entrepreneur friends in the Rise and Recovery Network, where we can share mind and business growth tips, strategies, and you get to network with other entrepreneurs of all experience levels. So if you want to level up your business and get connected, book your spot today. Head on over to www. The road forward slash collaboration zone. When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost. Welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast, and my name is Tamar, your host. Have you ever felt like you were meant for more? Well, I help people discover their purpose so they can follow their passion and realize what they are truly capable of. My mission is to empower people in recovery to embrace their authentic selves, live up to their true potential, and answer the question, what lies beyond recovery for you? Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. My name is Tamar and I will be your host for this adventure. Now before we get into today's episode, which is having a chat with my friend Scott Clover, I want to share what I'm grateful for and part of this has to do with the work that I've done with Scott and I want to share about it today on the podcast, but what I'm truly grateful for today is understanding that energy needs to be reciprocal. And the reason I'm grateful for that is I think oftentimes we expend a lot of energy in our lives and we don't allow that energy to come back in, right? It's that give and take kind of thing. And I know that, you know, being someone who can fall back into that people pleasing from time to time, I can give energy out, but often I don't allow that good energy back in, or maybe the people I'm trying to give that energy to don't give that energy back, right? And therefore goes my expectations, of course, of others, which I need to work on. But what I came to realize is that, you know, I have a lot of really solid friendships in my life that I've had for a very long time. And all of those relationships have been very reciprocal, right? The love that I give out is the same love that I get back. And not just love in and out, it's very unconditional. You know, I have made so many mistakes in my life that I have had people who have followed me basically into my addiction, through my addiction, out of addiction, you know, through many different relationships and even in my challenges and road bumps in recovery. And that energy and that love has always been reciprocated no matter what, right? So there's never that need to justify your actions or behaviors because they just are. And so I wanted to share that today because I'm incredibly grateful for learning about energy, first of all, and also, you know, having the ability to work with someone like Scott that allowed me to unblock some of those walls that I was putting up, right? Those emotional barriers. Although I think that I'm working on them, I can actually physically feel sometimes, right? When I'm not either allowing love in or I'm not expressing love or letting it out like I should. And so now I've actually spent some time working on grounding, you know, working on my energy flow and it's just opening up a whole bunch of new things to explore. And so I'm incredibly grateful that you also get to listen to my journey and I plan to interview Scott again because there's so, so much more that I want to unpack that can help people in recovery because he's also worked with many people in recovery. And so I can't wait to dig into today's episode with you guys. I think that this is an extra special episode because it's not often that I actually get to work with someone before I interview them for my show. And I was told about Scott through a mutual friend of ours. So I reached out to him and said, hey, I'd love to have you as a guest on my show to share what you do, because I believe that what he does just by hearing about it. I thought, wow, this is going to be great, right? Scott could really provide a lot of benefits to my audience, to you guys. And so I reached out, 
we had a great conversation the first time we spoke and he said, listen, I would love to do some work with you first and then we could do the interview because then you can specifically talk about your experience, right? Because it's not his story to share. You know, he doesn't come on the show and share about other people's journeys because only you can share that. And so, of course, I love learning new things. I'm all about self-improvement and I feel you know, oftentimes when I'm emotional or I'm stressed or I'm thinking about something and getting stuck in my head, I have this, you know, almost tightness in my chest, in my heart, you know, as though I'm not fully giving love. I'm not fully allowing myself to receive it, including the energy. I carry my stress in my shoulders, right? When things start to get stressful, I can really feel it in my neck and my shoulders and different parts of my body. And so to have somebody be able to work through that and explain energy healing, was so phenomenal. So I actually share my experience and what I had worked on the first time and then how that shifted from the second time we worked together, which was just before we recorded this episode. I asked Scott, you know, what is intuitive energy healing and how does it work? And we talk about patterns and accepting your existing reality polarity and engaging opposite energy. There's so much valuable information in the show that I'm definitely going to have Scott back on the show. We've already uh, we've already talked about doing a second um, episode, which I have specific questions that I want to ask him. He does not know about them, right? That's not the way he operates. Um, and so I'm really excited to really dig further into this energy healing journey. And of course, as always, I will have all of Scott's information in the show notes. So if you want to work with Scott or learn more, make sure you reach out to him. You know, one of the things we talk about as well is why is it so hard for us to meditate? And uh, so you'll want to hear the answer, but I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, I'm excited today because I'm hanging out with my friend, Scott Clover. How are you, Scott? I'm well, thanks. I'm excited for this podcast, one, because I love what you do, and I've got to experience it twice now, and I want to share a little bit about my journey in, you know, how that happened and what happened, and I think that, you know, you have such a gift, and you could help, well, you do help so many people, so for those that don't know you, why don't you introduce yourself, you know, who are you, and what do you do, Scott? Uh, So, I'm Scott Clover, I'm an intuitive energy healer which generally means I guide people towards helping them heal themselves. So a lot of people that say they're healers, they want to force a healing energy onto their client. And that's over the years, I've found the efficacy of that doesn't last as long as if the client is informed of their own energies and how to navigate, transmute, switch, purge those. So my clients call me the energetic plumber because I help people clear out different pathways for themselves or clean off patterns that they can then observe them. And so it's in that observation. I'm an intuitive. So I see and sense patterns in and around people's bodies, in and around their energy fields, their auric fields, their generational patterns, parental patterns, if you will, or ancestors, as well as maybe a past life uh, will come through if, if that's one of the, the chinks in the armor that keeps people repeating a pattern, then it comes to the surface. So I've sort of trained myself over the years to see what I need to see and not see everything. Mm -hmm. Because overseeing would just give me a sunburn brain. So (laughs) there is such thing as being too psychic, I have to say. And so, as I said, I've trained myself to just see in the moment what needs to be seen for what the issue is that the person's going through that sees me. That, and... I've experienced it now firsthand, right? And I have to admit, before I came into recovery, I was very skeptical, skeptical, uh, let's try and say that properly, about all this stuff, right? And I learned mindfulness and, you know, I became a little bit more spiritually fit. And now I'm really diving into different areas because even though I'm nine years sober, I still have a lot of healing to do, right? There's a lot of things that I, that I've held onto. And so one of the areas when we first met that I talked to you about is that, you know, I believe right um when we had you know spoken i had just gone through a temporary breakup right i had a fracture in my relationship i was heartbroken i had no idea which way i wanted to go because i wasn't sure if i wanted to stay in or i wanted to stay out and so i was protecting myself but at the same time you know i wanted to love i wanted to get love in but i didn't know how and through 
you know, doing a lot of, you know, soul searching, <clears throat> I had realized that I never had one foot in that relate or both feet into that relationship. Right. And mm-hmm. I've done that as a protection. And I look back at all my relationships in the past and notice this pattern. Now it's like, as soon as things get a little bit tough, one foot goes out the door and I start planning my future for myself by myself, thinking that there's something better out there. And you know, you and I spoke and, you know, I think you asked me the question, you know, do you think these, these changes are going to last? And at the time, because I, I was so blocked and I was so stuck, I didn't know. And I said, no, right. I don't think so because history would dictate that the changes have not stuck and, you know, the growth wasn't there. And so that's what I was desperately seeking. And I do believe people can change. I do believe that things happen in people's lives that trigger that desire to, to, you know, become a better person or to, to really make some positive changing. And I remember, you know, we started off and you had sensed that there was, you know, a blockage around my heart, kind of some stuff going on in my chest there. And that's where I felt it. Like it was a very tightness in my chest. I felt it in my neck and shoulders. I've always had tension there. And so we, you know, went through the practice of kind of unblocking that. So, you know, from my side, I could feel that energy. I could feel, you know, you would ask me to move my hand around different places and feel certain, you know, parts of my body. And I could feel, which was really cool. Like, and especially because we're doing this over the phone, I'm thinking, wow, like this feels really neat. And I could literally feel the tension start to ease and things start to open up. And, you know, you had used this, um, you know, the fireflies in the jar thing and letting the fireflies out, which was really cool. And that really resonated with me. So can you talk about, you know, that was my experience on my side of the line, but can you talk about what's going on there and what you sensed in me? Well, it's more for you to speak on your situation, what happened with you. Um, I'll speak to the general energy around it. So it keeps it a little cleaner. Sure. <laughs> um, and it's your, it's your story to share. It's not my story to share, but I can yeah. explain to you the energetic backbones or the structures, why and how that happened. How about that? Mm-hmm. You yeah, keep that it personal, perfect. you keep it personal and I'll keep it energetic. Sounds good. So anywhere in the body can hold on to trauma, blocked emotions, physical traumas, um, betrayals, things that happen to us over our lifetime. And most people, since your your audience is mostly in recovery, people in recovery are struggling to get through some sort of energetic betrayal. Some kink in their energetic housing got kinked and they've been trying to find a sense of self ever since. And so when the drugs and alcohol no longer work, then they have to start going back inside. And that's when the work that I do comes into play is it's about embodiment. It's about feeling safe in your body. Most people that abuse drugs and alcohol don't feel safe in their body. So they distance themselves from their bodies. Now, those are legal or those are legal or illegal drugs, but the pharmaceutical companies and the the universe at large, the, the earth at large right now in society has for the last 50 years tried to separate us from our energetic bodies. Mm-hmm. Right as the spiritual or hippie movement started, that's when the pharmaceuticals came out to take this pill and separate you from your pain. Well, if you sequester yourself from your pain, it just festers. It doesn't get any air. It doesn't heal. And so what I do is I uncover why it could be covered up, how it's festering, what direction it's flowing, how the pattern revolves in on itself. So emotional situations or these issues that that people deal with in recovery are sort of in a vacuum, which means the energy and the pattern is going to continue unless something interacts with it, which is the nature of, of velocity in a vacuum. So unless you can interact with it, it's going to keep repeating itself. And one way you can interact with it is help having someone like me help you visualize it in a new context. And since I use my sort of visionary skills to see it in a way I can take that and put it into a metaphor and using that metaphor, help you understand what's happening to you. Mm -hmm. And once you understand it and observe it, 
then it's acted upon. Because as we know by quantum physics, once something's observed, then it, it has a different reaction than it's, it does when it's being unobserved. Mm -hmm. So one of the cornerstones of my work is to show people where they cloaked their inner child, where they put their inner child in a, in a, in a protective box and then left it there. So it didn't get the nourishment that it needed. It didn't get the sunlight that it needed. It didn't get the, the adolescence that it deserved. And once that's observed and those childhood memories or, or responses are let free to mature, that can happen very quickly. Mm -hmm. But it needs to allow, it needs to be allowed to happen. Mm -hmm. Whereas the drugs and the alcohol just placate it and keep it where it is. And then we forget about it because we're having fun or we're distancing ourselves from the actual pain. So what I say in my work is observation is about 55% of the work. Mm -hmm. Once you observe the pattern, then you can change it. But a lot of people can't observe the pattern because they put what I call invisibility cloaks over that part of their psyche because it hurt too much to look at. Mm -hmm. So even now people can't see it and they go in and they want to see it and they can't see it. Why? Because it's invisible. So they come to somebody like me and I'm like, oh, we got a Klingon or we got a little something down there that's hanging out. Let's excavate that and see what's in there. And they're like, I don't. Oh, there it is. Oh, you're right. Yeah, she's wounded or he's perturbed or he feels alone, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's just as you said, it's it's snapping out of a pattern. And the only way to do that is acting on the pattern differently. And, and the best way to do that in my work is to observe the pattern for what it is. Right. Not what you want it to be. The more you want something to be, the less it's going to be the reality of it, which means you can't change it because you're giving it the wrong medicine or the wrong antidote. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, speaking from personal experience is I've wanted to be wanted things to be a certain way. And then there's that friction that happens when it doesn't happen. Right. Which we call mm -hmm. it expectations. But I noticed a big shift from the time that we first met until we most recently met. So that was about over a, a, I think a five to six week time frame, And there was such a difference in, I think my ability to really open that door to what love could really look like mm -hmm. and being truly accepting. And I noticed that, you know, as we started to work through things, as he took the necessary steps because of what he had experienced in this fracture, and I took the steps to look at my codependent behavior, right? That's something that I, I chatted with you that I'm really diving into because I can still let other people's behaviors or actions affect me, right? And that's something that I need to definitely dive into. But as we kind of went on our own journey, I noticed that my heart started to open up and receive that love that he was now willing to give in the way that I needed it. And I was able to do the same, right? Which it's always kind of, I'm looking out for number one, I'm looking for, for myself. And you, if you don't want to come with me, then forget it. And so what I've noticed now is there's this exchange in love coming in and love coming out. Like that energy feels a lot more open and flowing, but you know, you had pointed out that, Hey, you still have this little knot in you. And, you know, I told you about a situation that I'm dealing with right now. And mm -hmm. it was exactly the same thing. Right. And as we did that work, things started flowing. Like I could literally feel, you know, energy coming out of the bottom of my chair going into the ground, but it was absolutely incredible. You know, and I feel that energy flowing right now, even as we speak. Yeah, it's visceral. And yeah. and hearing my voice, we, we, the body remembers what happened while we were working. So it starts to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was just, it was such an amazing experience. And I'll make sure but, we put. Oh, go ahead. We'll put your contact information so people can get a hold of you. But yeah, what did you want to add? Well, you were talking about reciprocity, energetic reciprocity. So if you're not exchanging a proper amount of energy, then one side is top heavy or one side is, is depleted. So you've heard it, you know, several times you can't serve from an empty bowl. That's one of them. Mm -hmm. um, uh, put your mask on before you put the mask on of someone next to you, that kind of stuff. And, and we, especially as empaths and, and, and people that have wounded childhoods have a really hard time doing that because they're placaters, as you said, they're, they're over, uh, they're over placaters. They want to help. 
Well, if they don't receive help too, then they're off balance. And once again, addiction loves people that are off balance. So if you overtake and feel guilty about it, then you drink. And if you overgive and then you're depleted, then you want to forget about it. So you drink or whatever, whatever your, your drug of choice is. So the point of this is understanding an energetic reciprocity. It doesn't have to be 50-50. That's a pipe dream and doesn't really exist, right? But if you're at 60-40 and you're doing self-care, as they're calling it these days, as well as tithing or helping other people, then good for you. But if you're overgiving or overtaking, well, then people either think you're mushy or an asshole. So, you know, uh, you have to decide that for your own right, but understanding that that reciprocity isn't there is mm -hmm. so difficult for people to self-observe, which yeah. is another reason why you come to somebody who observes patterns. But as you were saying, you, you use the gesticulation coming and going. It's yin yang, lingam yoni, uh, male, female, giving, receiving. That polarity has to be an exchange. If not, then, then the person's going to feel out of equilibrium and less embodied, which would lead them to distance themselves or disassociate. Right. So can you... Ugh. I could talk about this on and on and on, um, you know, for accepting existing realities, because okay. I think this is something in recovery that I know I personally have struggled with, right? Accepting mm -hmm. your reality is something that's really tough, but can you get a little deeper into that? Cause I know that's something you also talk to clients, uh, about. Oh, definitely. Well, in the work, authenticity is, is sort of where we head. When people start working with me, we ultimately are going to funnel down to authenticity, right? Well, it's a lot easier to get to the, that authenticity part or even to start that journey if you accept the existing reality of where you're at. If you want that you weren't molested as a kid, well, guess what? You were. So wanting that you weren't is, is really just energy being wasted and blockades being put up in your own sense of self. So desiring something that's impossible is not accepting the existing reality, right? Accepting that in the drugs and alcohol that you did, you offended your friends or family. Wishing you didn't doesn't take it back and you're not facing it. So if you accept the existing reality that I was a jerk but I don't have to be a jerk because I'm choosing not to be because I accepted that I am or was, then that, that those pathways don't become so divergent and it, the path becomes pretty clear of what you're dealing with, what you need to do and, and what you can do. Mm -hmm. But wanting to be different doesn't make you different. It just drains your energy. And that brings me to the fake it till you make it, right? Because I hear that slogan a lot and I know how you feel about that, right? Um, can you talk about that? Because, you know, I hear a lot of people, even in business, talk about the whole fake it till you make it. Well, okay, so you're talking about a concept. And so what I'm talking about is the energy roots to this to the phrasing. And what I what I really find discordant is the idea that you're trying to change yourself for the better and then you're labeling it as fake. Mm. So that's my issue. It's the semantical name. It's the semantical nomenclature that I, that I have an issue with. It's not the, the, the energetic principle to what you're referring to, which I won't repeat, <laughs> is I'm willing to shift my energy and if I do it a little, then I'll be judged. So I might as well tell people I'm faking it until I can do it for real. Well, then you're just saying to the world, hey, I'm a faker. Well, nobody respects fakers. So don't fake it till you make it. Desire your energy to change. Mimic that pattern. And then the more you mimic that pattern, the more you become that pattern. It's just like if your nervous system is changing its motor pattern after an injury. Mm-hmm. You're not faking that your motor pattern is different. The motor pattern will change as you heal and then the body responds. But you have to acknowledge that the motor pattern needs to change. So that expression you used, 
I would more think it's more semantically and energetically appropriate that the universe will actually agree with you and work for you as opposed to faking it is I'm adopting a new pattern. Help me get there. Mm. I'm adopting a new pattern. Let me look at that pattern and I'll mimic it until it becomes my own, which is the inverse of how most people get damaged enough to be led to drug and alcohol addiction, which is they mimic their family patterns which are unhealthy. It's like a tuning fork. If you know the principles of a tuning fork, if you have the same tuning fork tuned to the same thing, you hit one and the other one across the room will start to vibrate in the same vibration. Mm -hmm. So now you've got two tuning forks vibrating. Some people use a candle. If you have one candle lit and that's your parental energy and it's burning, then the child is desperate. So they go over and they want to alleviate the burning candle energy of the parents struggling. Well, what happens when you light one candle off the other? You just they're have two. You, they're both on fire. Yeah. But the original intention of the three or four year old was my mom or dad are in pain. I'm going to go and, and extinguish that pain by taking it on myself. Well, now you've just got two people in pain, but you're processing it through your reality, not your parents' reality, which makes it more difficult for you to purge. Because it's technically not even yours. You adopted a pattern from somewhere else then over time it becomes yours. So you faked it until you make it, if you would, or you mimicked a pattern until it became your own. Recovery is unlearning that pattern. Accepting the existing reality that my dad was a jerk or my mom was a narcissist or they were abusive or they didn't take care of me or they smothered me because I was an only child and I have to get away from them. So I started smoking weed when I was 14 because they were oppressive. So. You can't have it both ways, Psyche, but either way is a polarity. And most people want to live in the median. And when you go outside that median of overtaken care of or undertaken care of, then you're more liable to abuse drugs and alcohol as an escape mechanism. Mm -hmm. Wow. It just, when you say it, it just makes so much sense. So you've talked a lot about patterns, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, observing them can lead to healing. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how does one observe their patterns that can lead to healing? Right. So observation, as I say, is 55% of the healing energy. Um, well, you don't go to the doctor and say something's wrong with me. And he says, what's wrong? And he says, well, I don't know. Well, he can't give you medicine to help you if that's what you're into. Mm -hmm. So you have to acknowledge what's up with you so you can change it. Wanting to be different or wanting to be healed is not the same as seeing why you're damaged. Once again, accepting the existing reality, I'm damaged or kinked, or there's a dent in my armor. How do we unchink the dent or unkink the dents? So one way is to be quiet with yourself. And I don't mean meditation per se, because a lot of people that have gone through what your, your audience goes through doesn't have the patience or the ability to meditate because it means going and being quiet in their own bodies. And that's where a lot of the people experience the trauma. So why relive the trauma in your body? I should stay out of my body. Well, drugs and alcohol help that. So the recovery people now are saying, okay, I don't wanna use this as a coping mechanism, but yet it's still difficult to be inside my body. Well, meditate. Some people that try to meditate, they, they, they start to shake and they like vibrate out of the room and they can't do it and they never go and do it again. So one thing is, is to understand you don't feel safe in your body. Once you accept that reality, then there are technologies, new somatic technologies out there to gently, gracefully fold yourself or welcome yourself back into your body. Mm -hmm. And we did some of those exercises yourself. Grounding exercises are not meditation. Trying to calm your nervous system is not meditation but your nervous system is what's on high or parasympathetic or too sympathetic. Whatever state it's in, if it's not in equilibrium, then you're feeling agitated mm -hmm. or you're feeling a malaise that you can't lift your head off the pillow. Neither one of those are optimal. And, you know, it's true. A lot of people in recovery, because they talk about mindfulness, they talk about meditation and that it's a key part to your recovery Unless we, you can't do it. Exactly. We have a hard time doing it, right? And that was what I was going to ask, of right? Was, you know, why we can't seem to do this? And what is the solution for someone that has been trying it and just feels, because I know even I can be sitting there 
meditating and I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if my laundry is ready to turn over. Oh, my stomach's mm -hmm. growling. I should probably go grab some a snack right now because I'm right. actually hungry, right? So what is well, the solution? And, but and what I'm talking about is more of an energetic pattern in that, you know, I can tell you that the, the client has like a vibrating spinal column that's vibrating really high. And if they're quiet enough to hear it, well, then you're never going to technically fall asleep. So your body's always on high alert. If that's one thing you can calm down, then your nervous system gets the message that there's other aspects and other things you can do to calm yourself down. That would be one example is go back to the nervous system. Mm. But then the endocrine system gets involved and the hormonal system gets involved and, and they're all, you know, it can be a, a house of cards or a domino effect, but that can also work on the inverse. Is if you if if I sense a, a a problem with the diaphragm being overly contracted, then the person isn't breathing correctly, which means they're sore under their armpits and they don't feel energy. And if you get that breathing technique under control and you get the person to breathe down to their belly button or breathe down to their pelvis, which historically never made it past their rib cage, they're taking on a whole new energy element mm. that's going to bolster them into maybe their next set of healing. But it generally for me it leads me back to the body almost always goes, let's go back to the body. And as my mentor uh, said to me when I met with him years ago, and I'd been through therapist after therapist and talk therapy, you just turned out to not to be my thing. Well, look at me now. Um, he asked me, uh, how does my body feel? And I almost resented the question. I don't, I don't want to tell you how my body feels because I don't want to feel how my body feels. Uh-huh. So that was the question that changed my life. No therapist historically had asked me anything about my body or about my intuitive abilities, even though I'd asked or tried to. And he sat me down and, and I put out in the universe, hey, I need someone else to help me figure this out because talk therapy isn't doing it. Mm -hmm. And he was a, a somatic therapist. Focalizing is what it's called. And yeah, the first or second session, he asked me, how does my body feel? And I resented the question. How dare you ask me that? Because it would meant I would have to feel in my own body. Well, that's what I help now people do for myriad reasons. Whether it's having creative restraints or getting over past traumas. So my work isn't all doldrummy, historic childhood trauma. A lot of it is that. And I'm very grateful that I'm able to help people with it because it's a very cathartic and uplifting experience when it happens, even in community when I'm working with the client. But I also work with people who are, you know, creatives that want to express themselves more, or actors or singers that want to expand where they're at. So I get to I get to do both sides, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I think for myself in my journey right now, I've hit a point in my recovery where I'm doing what I love to do. Right. I'm working with mm -hmm. people. I'm trying to help others. I'm sharing my journey. And so, you know, I really want to help people kind of get out of that complacency. And I think that the work that you do, right, to unblock that almost, I feel like it almost opened up a new level of how I was able to communicate and give love and also receive love. Because right now, I mean, even this morning, you know, my spouse, you know, when he knew when I had to get up and walked in with a cup of coffee and breakfast, and he's never done that, right? And he was a big smile on his face. And you could see the how authentic he was being about that. And it was just, you know, usually I'd be like, Oh, why are you waking me up? Like, come on. And this morning it was like, wow, thank you. Like, I love you. Right. And love and gratitude, love and gratitude. <laughs> now you're talking about Emoto, Yamasuro Emoto, read his book. It's amazing. Is it? the, guy who, the guy who takes pictures of water molecules as they're crystallizing and love and happiness. They're all brilliant. And like fear and hate are all, they're all crumpled up. It's it's great for the energetically minded. It, it it helps expand your concept of what's possible. Oh, I'm definitely gonna just pick through that the up. water molecules. Yeah, but it it has so much more meaning because it means there's meaning behind our words and the intention behind our words. Mm -hmm. And the word love is love, but it also is amitié or or amour, right? Yeah. So that vibration is very similar, even though the the word is different. The vibration is similar and received as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels good. I have to say for the first time in a very long time, I feel that love, right? And it feels incredible. And, um, 
you know, I wanted to ask you, did you always know growing up that you were intuitive? Like, is that something you knew as a young child or is that something you developed uh, as you got older? So I was extremely intuitive as a child mm -hmm. to the point of people wondering what's up with that kid. Um, and then around 11 or 12, I could feel the things that I was able to pick up made my peers uncomfortable. Mm. And so it was at that point, you know, that pre-puberty, I want to fit in in middle school. I started realizing what I was able to do was ostracizing me because people started thinking I was weird or I could sense that they didn't want to interact with me anymore because I was bothering them. I either knew too much about them or I was too personal with them or I knew stuff about them or I knew answers to questions and it was intimidating to people. So I pulled back on it and I made a conscious effort, I think, to say whatever that is, I didn't know what it was, but I said, whatever that is, it makes me different. I don't want to be that. And I put it in a locked Pandora's box with chain around it and threw it at the bottom of the ocean. And for years, it would burp open and cause issues um, personally with friends and things like that, because I wasn't accepting it, but yet it was coming in really strongly in different ways to the point that finally, ultimately, I had to deal with it. And once in midlife, I realized I had to deal with it. Um, after a couple of years of studying it and understanding myself and my prowess, um, I really wanted to cater it to healing because I knew that's where I my skill set was developing for, or my sort of archetypal pattern was catered to someone who helps people heal. Mm -hmm. So I'm not the kind of psychic that wants to tell you your future as much as help you create a better reality mm -hmm. by, by cleaning up your past and creating a, a template of a pattern for the future that's so followable that you fall right into prosperity or joy or something like that. So that's where my skill set lies now. But that took years of training and and going through my own gauntlets of of fire. Um, but I got through it, and now I'm able to do what I do. And how neat! I have to say, like I really enjoy my profession because I say I do what I am. I, I know my abilities. I catered them to to be more specific, and now I'm able to help people, which is what I was intended to do. I think. Absolutely, so. and that's how I feel. Right, I feel that. For the longest time, I had this belief that my past would follow me around in a negative way, right? I didn't, I wasn't always very open to people that I was sober in the beginning of my journey because there was a stigma against addiction, right? But now I truly believe that what I went through for those 22 years in addiction, right? And it, it was like a roller coaster ride. You know, there was, there was low points, there was high points. I was very functioning. So, you know, I wasn't homeless. I wasn't institutionalized. I'm very fortunate for that. But I do believe that everything I had experienced actually makes me so much more passionate for what I do today. And it's what motivates me. It's what, what gets me up in the morning. Do you think that kind of the same is for you? You know, you kind of tried to suppress that and just lock it away, but that has actually allowed you to embrace what you do more today because it's like, no, I have this gift and it's amazing and I can help other people in such an impactful way. Right. And uh, well, and that's one of the other cornerstones of my work is to help people understand how intuitive they are and that it matters to them on their terms, not my terms. Don't be as psychic as James Vaughn Prague or don't be as psychic as me. Be as intuitive as you are and, and utilize that information for good, for your betterment and the betterment of others. And I think you got a little Brene, Brene Brown up in there with, uh, you know, your vulnerability becomes your strength. Yeah. Where you were weakest, you can now show strength and support other people where they can fill in their gaps. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, along the lines of something that I do is I really want to encourage people to talk about intuition freely, create a, a tribe about it. Because right now there's a bunch of us individuals that are doing it. And there's no associations or tribes or anything like that, which over time, once that happens, then it gets more solidified in the, the zeitgeist, if you will. Mm -hmm. But for now, like I'm word of mouth, I do very little advertising. Um, if any, it's because people find me when they're ready. Yeah. And I don't force my skill set or my healing onto people. You have to ask me for help and then I'll guide you. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people, they, they start with this and they just, they're, they're so inclined to want to help. Well, they burn out real fast and they, they cross some boundaries. So what I say is mind your own energy, <laughs> heal yourself until you know you have something to offer, not beforehand. 
Yeah, I agree. And that's one of the things I had to do in recovery, right? I had to build that solid foundation. I went through a good period there where I was complacent and thinking, okay, now what? Like I had this something within me that was like dying to get out, but I'm like, no, no, no. Like you have a good job, great career. You know, you have a partner, life is good. You should just shut up and be grateful, right? And I felt this, that was complete opposite of what I actually wanted. But I just thought, you know, listen, your life was a shit show before this. Like, come on, be happy with what you have now. But I never was. And when I finally opened the door that maybe I could do something different, maybe I could actually do what I like, everything started to shift. And I, I actually, for a period there, when I was working my corporate job and doing coaching, I mean, I was waking up at, you know, 3.30, 4 a.m. in the morning and getting, making sure I had at least three hours to do this stuff. And I got in such a state of flow doing it, you know, in the afternoon, early evening, and I loved it. But of course, like me, I go all in with most things and I experienced burnout very quickly. So I had to make that decision. Well, because you were overgiving. Yeah. That's the pattern that you needed resolving. Yeah. And being vulnerable to saying, oh, I, I, I learned from my mistakes emboldens you. It doesn't empower you because empowerment can be fleeting, but it emboldens you. It, it locks you into a certain stability and says, oh, I don't want to go dip below this any longer. Mm-hmm. So I prefer the word embolden. I like that. I'm going to write that yeah. down. So do you know, you mentioned you help other people learn about their own in- intuitiveness. Do yeah. you do a lot of people are a lot of people intuitive and can you sense that in people pretty quickly? I can sense it in people pretty quickly. Most people are. Um, mm-hmm. There's some people who just don't want to be, so they're not. Mm-hmm. A lot of it comes from will and intention and understanding and compassion for self, for what you're experiencing. And then you have to accept that it's real. Mm-hmm. And once you do that, then it's a lot easier to, for you to trust. But you can't expect other people to trust you if you don't trust yourself and your own intuition. So there is work to be done. And not everyone's, you know, a mind reader. Not everyone's a tarot reader. Not everyone's what I am or what you are, whatever. You are what you are. And wanting to change it is going to be frustrating. So accept what your intuition is and work off from there. Yeah. But a lot of people want to train or or read a book and say, well, I have to be just as, as good of a medium as John Edwards. Well, you're not going to be. So be as good as you are at whatever it is you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That really resonated. So thank you for sharing that with me. Sure. My, it's something I'm really, <laughs> I'm really pleased to talk about at any moment because it's not spoken about enough. Yeah, I agree. There's and not I- enough teachers out there. So people gravitate to the powerful ones or the, the most, not powerful, I should say, the most uh, publicized ones. And it's not about mimicking what they are. It's gleaning the information from them and, and, and metabolizing it and extrapolating it and using it through your own filter. So then you can present your message. And if that message is authentic enough, then people are going to resonate with it. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, then people are going to smell you and go, no, that's, that's not fully cooked or you know, that's not fully fleshed out. If I hear the term spiritual badass one more time, I'm just going <laughs> to... Just pop a cork. Oh my God. One, I was at a conference once and this woman, I presented something or something and some woman said, can I give you a hug? And I looked down and she had a heavily meditated sweatshirt on that said like a sweatshirt that said heavily meditated. And I was like, no, no, you can't have a hug, but I want to hug you. I'm like, that's fine. You want to hug me, but I don't want you to hug me because I don't want to exchange energy with you right now. I just came off a presentation and you want something from me that I'm not willing to give you. So my boundary is no, but it was that t-shirt that really struck it out for me was, you know, that's a very superficial view of what people are terming spirituality, Right. which for me, it's just energy. I call myself an energy healer. I'm non-dogmatic as best as I can be. I'm non-dogmatic. It's really about energy patterns, either being conducive to one or not being conducive to one mm-hmm. and being optimal with that. Meaning you may not be the best 
or you may not change yourself for the best because changing you for the best might change your family dynamic in such a way that it hurts you in the end. So you want to change yourself optimally. You want to be as optimally good or better as you can. But being best is not possible. It's not even plausible. So stop it. What you can be is optimal for the situation you're in and the life you're leading. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and that's what I want, right? I want to be optimal. <laughs> well, that's generally what we all should, should vibrate towards. That should be what we're holding space for. That's the vibration that we're optim that we're ultimately searching for. Right. To search to be the best. Don't even start that marathon because you'll be exhausted. Yeah. There's a, there's, there's, there's an eternal rung on it. That, that ladder has, has infinitesimal rungs on it. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love how you mentioned the spiritual aspect, because I think I remember I had a very profound spiritual awakening when I came into recovery and I finally realized that I'm not alone in this world. Right. And I never grew up religious or anything like that, but I think a lot of people I see, they want that experience right they want that big flashing lights like you know i don't know whatever they they think that's going to happen but when we were doing our sessions i could feel the energy going through me and that felt very spiritual to me right that's i think that feeling a lot of people seek that feeling and so that i love how you 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 know mentioned that spirituality is really energy because that's what it felt like. It felt like a very spiritual experience to me. Well, yes. You know that that thing where the God, Sistine Chapel, where God touches man like that? I mean, all you're doing is getting in touch with your own body. You call that a spiritual experience. I just call it unclogging your energy pathways. Yeah. You said it yourself. I felt energy flowing through me. Yeah. So that's called spiritual because there's not another name for it right now. But all it was was you entertaining the fact that you can be in touch and secure in your own energies and that makes you feel better mm -hmm. that to me isn't spiritual that's just energetic congruence wow <laughs> you know i could talk about this topic all day long i think we need to do a part two a little more i'm fine with that well. so can i because this is amazing. We've only scratched. We've only scratched the surface, by the way. Yeah. I know. Yeah, we're gonna come on here and do another one. That's for sure. I'm already gonna book you for that. But for right now, if people want to work with you, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, you can check out my website, scottclover.com. Um, I have a podcast where I describe a lot of this stuff um, in more length, called the Intuitive Energy Podcast, and it's on Apple and Spotify and all the other ones. Mm -hmm. um, and that way you can get a hold of me through the website if you're interested in a session. Um, but be involved with your healing. If you're interested, then, then be present and be involved in your healing and I will meet you more than halfway. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But Thanks. you're doing the work. I'm not doing the work. I'm the librarian. I, you know, you walk into the library. I use this. I tell this story all the time. But you walk into the library and there's 60,000 books and you're like, how the hell am I supposed to know how to heal myself? Well, I'm the librarian. I will lead you to the book. I will lead you to the, to the rack, the stack. I will point to the book. I may even pull the book down and open it for you. You're reading the book. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to read the book for you. So that's where it is. It's healing and community. If you're involved, then I'll meet you more than halfway. But a lot of people see me once or twice and they realize the efficacy of the work and how intense it is. And then they don't call me back because they're not ready. Hmm. So a lot of people think they're ready to heal because they're used to talk therapy, which means you just talk in circles around whatever problem you want, re rehashing it. Or you come to someone like me, I'm, I'm really, I'm ready and willing to help you, but you're going to need to show up and, and say, I'm ready for change. Mm -hmm. Like you experienced it yourself. Yeah. You were, you were, you really yearned for that reciprocity. You just didn't have the words for it or the guidance to, to, sort of unblock that heart wall, if you will. Yeah. And once you learned it, you, you, you went like this with your hands, which made me smile so much because that's exactly what we had talked about. If you remember, yeah. was the tra an equal transference of energy to make both sides egalitarian, if you will. Yeah. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. I can't, we can't wait till we do it again, to be honest. So 
Scott, thank you so much for being on the show. I can't wait to have a part two or maybe even a part three in the future, but uh, I really appreciate you being here and I appreciate our sessions together because they were absolutely amazing. Well, I'm happy to help, as I said. So I'm, I'm glad we met. Me too. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you can understand now why I enjoyed so much working with Scott because I absolutely love what he does and I can't wait to have him on the show again and ask him very specific questions that were going through my mind and and specifically on, you know, building that foundation in recovery. There's certain steps that we take and I would love to hear it from his perspective. So I've already got a little bit of uh, ideas flowing through my brain on this one and you'll just have to stay tuned for another episode with Scott as our guest again. And you know what? If you've missed out make sure you come join us on our Collaboration Zone Zoom call. You can enroll for these calls at www.theroadforward.ca slash collaboration zone. The link will be in the show notes as well. But on the call, I do a bit of education, 10 minutes of mind science, you know, how we can overcome limiting beliefs, how we can change our mindset. I talk a little bit about emotional intelligence, the subconscious mind, purpose, all the stuff that I get to teach in the NeuroChange Method program, which is essentially bringing the neuroscience of change out of the labs and into an easier to digest format. Guys, I've been through it myself. It's absolutely life-changing. But on these calls, I'm going to give you a snippet in the beginning. Then we get to do some networking with like-minded individuals where you get 90 seconds to share who you are, what you do, who you serve, And what you could use some support in, you know, maybe you've got some roadblocks in your business right now. You need somebody who's good at LinkedIn or someone who's a marketing expert. Get connected on these calls. Invite your friends. Space is limited. I run these every two weeks and we plan in the future to have special guests on the show as well, teaching areas of their expertise. And also, if you are someone who's really passionate about teaching something, let me know. And you can also end one of these calls off with your teaching, right? What you specialize in will give you a chance to do that on the member training days. Anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode and I'll chat with you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Road Beyond Recovery. Did you know that our dreams can become a reality? When you determine your purpose in life and you allow that purpose to guide you, Anything is possible. It just takes action. Don't wait until you're ready. Start to create the life you were truly meant to live right now. I am super passionate about my mission to help people live up to their true potential. So if you want to learn more, check out my website at www.theroadforward.ca. And until next week, keep exploring what lies beyond recovery for you.